having climbed up to enchanted rock drink a cold shiner down and looking back taking your Hey there, howdy. Thanks for tuning in, and thank you for telling friends that you hang out on the other side of Texas. Jay West, Texas Leeson here. Good show ahead as we get in with Scott Braddock for our uh, Texas Legislature, Texas Politics Fix. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, and, uh, you know, we we blew in yesterday with Brandon Darby. Going to get into a little bit more of that here in just a moment, uh, but I didn't have a chance to recap Leeson Vacation 2018, at least part one of, I think, two or three uh, Leeson Vacation 2018. Uh, before I left the house, that's right, Omaha, Omaha tonight, 6 o'clock, Texas Tech Red Raiders taking on Arkansas. Went home today, put some pork ribs on to call those hogs, and that's what we're going to do tonight. We, we ate double T. Uh, T-Bones the other night uh, and watched Tech win and so we're going to eat uh, some pork ribs and hopefully see the same thing tonight. As we go along today, I want to invite you 806-745-5800 if you're listening live. 806-745-5800 that's the number that you can text into as we go throughout the program. Interested in your thoughts as we get into a little bit of after Braddock. I've got some things to talk about we're invoking the Bible on both sides and uh, the Bible seems to be a pretty uh, use it as you will and then deny that it's there when you won't and uh, some thoughts on that irony as well as I've been looking more into this vet school thing finishing up a piece on it this battle between Texas Tech and and Texas A&M a skirmish that's gone on since night before 1971 so we're in the better part of, and we're looking at half a century of talking about a vet school at Texas Tech. And uh, I think it's Texas Higher Ed Hold'em, if you will. Texas Higher Ed Hold'em, that coming up as well. But first, vacation time. So we drive up, and I need to get these guys a sponsor of the program, because I've got a lot of good things to say about them. But we go up to Lake City and stay at a little place, a little ranch that's south of Lake City, Colorado. And no, me and Mrs. Leeson do not partake in the various opportunities, hallucinogens, in Colorado. Uh, Though at times after a day with four young children, we might ought to. Just beverages of choice. That's, That's all. But uh, on vacation, I learned a couple of things and have some some dad tips I want to pass along. And the first, here's what I've learned about vacation for little kids. They have to be oriented and they have to feel like they're safe and they have to be valued. And I think that's true with kids in general. That's just an old youth minister talking. But whenever kids are oriented, they feel safe and they're valued then they're ready to laugh and have a good time and so with our kids oriented is okay this is what we're doing today this is what we're going to do tomorrow and this is what we're going to do the next day and uh, then they feel okay about it now so far as safe last year the first time that the boys went into the mountains 
they were scared to death my nine then they were seven eight years old going through the mountains was not fun for them because they're used to high plains living and the biggest hills they see are in the hill country but when we started going up the side of mountains and there were no guardrails you don't even think about it but if you're that young and you hadn't seen that before you begin to freak out they thought that we were going to fall off the side of the mountain but uh, they wound up being safe and so every night on the value part we do awards and i i don't want to be sanctimonious but in in our family what i learned with kids after all all the years i worked with kids is that they need an identity bottom line they want to know who they belong to they want a tribe to belong to and then they can operate from there and so i've always done this thing and it's a long story i'll tell some other time but we talk about what leasons do and leasons and all my kids can tell you this what do leasons do they say we encourage we help and we listen and those are the three virtues i really want to embed in them and so each night we do a uh, encourage help and listen award and so night one's encourage night two's uh, help and night three's listen and because we had four kids by surprise then uh, we added a fourth one and i got i get so tired of walking through public places and my kids walking in front of other people or going through the door in front of other people or just not being mindful of other people that had to throw a fourth one in there and it was just being courteous just be courteous and so we did those things but the thing with going on vacation with little kids i've learned and this is a dad pro tip for some of you guys with younger kids is you have to work so day one for us was on friday we left town after the show on friday night and so we leave town and we know that we're going to drive four or five hours and then we're going to stay in a hotel room the kids aren't old enough for us to divvy out two hotel rooms and i didn't (coughs) excuse me i didn't really want to pay for two hotel rooms so you know right off the bat you're gonna have a bad night's sleep and then the next day you're gonna get there you're gonna get settled in and you aren't gonna go to bed till late you're gonna be getting everything organized so here's the deal on day three you got to be ready with the kids i don't care if you're going to disneyland or if you're going to the mountains or you're going to the desert wherever you're going on day three you got to be ready and and we were not ready so day three for us was sunday morning charity and i slept in and the kids were brats all day long all my little encourage help and listen and be courteous kids were brats because mom and dad dropped the ball that's my our blessings from god became little hellions but my dad pro tip is to be ready for the morning of day three we should have gone on a hike that morning with rewards and an adventure and got them ready and something other positive that i'll say off just as i'm thinking on our way back (coughs) we stopped in albuquerque on our way back down to lubbock from lake city and albuquerque uh, let me brag on you guys for a minute that's a great place when the wind's not blowing 60 miles an hour a great place the botanical gardens there the zoo we stayed at a resort 
Anthony's working the boards across the way. And let me just say that at the resort slash casino that we stayed at, they had some pretty friendly blackjack tables. That that helped out a little bit too. But okay, <coughs> Lisa review family vacation. Here are the negative parts. Number one, my kids take these vacations in a new silver Lincoln Navigator. Color doesn't matter, but in a Lincoln Navigator, a new Lincoln Navigator, leather seats, stadium seats in the back, and they complain the whole time about, well, why isn't the map going faster? The map being the navigation screen. And I'm just, I'm sitting there thinking about them on their leather plush luxury seats. And I'm a kid, we're driving our family vacations, we're to see family in Nashville, and we're driving in a 1979 Caprice Classic, matted down maroon upholstery, no telling how many layers of whatever is on the upholstery, springs sticking up through our legs, stabbing us, jabbing us like little syringes, the AC somewhere between room temperature and a Tijuana bar, or a Tijuana bar in like the third ring of Dante's Inferno, and these kids are sitting in a vehicle that has the capacity to blow air like a northerner in a cotton module builder in late November. And they're still complaining, oh, I can't sleep. I can't. Oh, you can't sleep. How would you like to sleep with the windows down in the back of a 1979 Caprice Classic with a coffee can for a restroom? And so my, my thing was when, when people get out of control with us, Whenever people just start going crazy, these little people, we're just going to stop. We're going to do push-ups. That's what we're going to do. And so we're going to stop. You guys are going to get out. We're going to do some push-ups. So you have to exert yourself. And I can never quite get them to 1979. One day, I'll probably just find a 1979 Caprice Classic for like $500. And we'll take a road trip in that so that they can learn some appreciation. Another thing, my wife, I don't, I do not have Cirrus XM in my vehicle. My wife does. And so whenever you're going through some bloody country, it's the only thing come in. And I found this channel called Y2 Country, Y2K, Country with a K, Y2K Country. And all it is, is Kenny Chesney and Bro Country. And I don't, for me, the greatest the greatest sign of the end of civilization is Y2K country. I don't know how many people listen to that. Matter of fact, I don't want to know because it'll just depress me. And what was my third? My Oh, my third gripe about vacation was that I go out and I spend a small country's GDP in fly fishing gear. Okay, and so I got my old stuff, I got my new stuff. The kids are old enough now to begin to fly fish and understand how to do it. No spin reels, except for Charlie, who's four. Everybody else is going to use a spin reel. And so you got the tippet, you got them outfitted. The spinners, the nymphs, double knotted. You know, you got a, a nymph on and then a spinner behind or a woolly booger. So everybody, everybody's walking out there like in $300 worth of gear, at least. And that's just the low end. But here's the deal. 
we're at the end of fishing one day, and my little Jack, one of my nine-year-old twin, my nine-year-old boys are Jack and Sam, and we're walking out, and Jack gets hung up in the willows at this creek that we're fishing in, and it's getting cold, and they're beginning to complain because all of a sudden the wind feels more like a navigator than the Caprice Classic, and. Jack says, Dad, I need my rod fix. And I say, well, no, I'm not going to do uh, the rod thing. Here, Here's Charlie's rod, a 36-inch rod that was $25 <laughs> in a mountain gear store, probably $14 at a big box store. And I hand it to him. I put a woolly booger on it and I, in, a, in a bobber. Just use this. He's like, oh, Dad, this is Charlie's little kid thing. I don't want to use it. (laughs) We catch a lot of fish. But Jack, I had to get home and measure to make sure. Jack throws that 36-inch rod in and pulls out a 19-inch trout. At least 19 inches. A 19-inch trout. And... It's kind of like at Christmas, whenever you get them a bunch of toys and all they want to play with is the boxes. The 15-inch rod, that's all he needed. Or, excuse me, the 36-inch rod, that's all he needed. So, be humble, enjoy them, have a great summer, and find things to gripe about and to laugh about. That's my little uh, my little intro here on this edition we're going to get scott braddock on and talk about much more interesting things in texas politics and now we have our friend scott braddock of the quorum report on with us scott braddock how are you doing today buddy i'm doing well sir i'm you're very well rested you took a little trip up to colorado as well I did. I was with the hotheads at the Republican Party of Texas Convention, so I needed to go somewhere cool for a little while, just for a couple of days. The hotheads. Away. Where, where'd you go in Colorado? I was in Aspen, Colorado. Okay. Beautiful. And you flew beautiful in and, and out. And beautiful, and as you know, just cool. 70 for the high, 48 for the low. I could feel my whole body unclench as I got in from uh, San Antonio. <laughs> Unclench, yeah, because yeah, when great. we when mm-hmm. we got back late on Saturday night, and that's where always you go? Remind, uh, remind me where you. Well, went. we went up to Lake City, but I um a great little town. They do some cool stuff, and uh, but we got back and it was raining whenever we got mm-hmm. back late, 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 like past midnight yeah. on Saturday, and then so on Sunday it was like eighty because of the rain the night before or maybe 85 and then on monday it was yeah welcome back to texas because we we were sitting in like high of 80 all week and then it blasts up to like 183,000 degrees or whatever it got on monday well it was uh pretty nasty in uh, austin uh when i got back Uh, overnight storms uh you know ripping uh through my neighborhood uh and debris crews were out uh when i was driving home. They were blocking the streets, where they were moving the branches out of the way uh, last night. Debris crews. So tell me, these hotheads in San Antonio. We've yeah. we're not touched on this yet because I was gone. But mm-hmm. uh, hold on, for new listeners, every two years the Texas GOP has a convention. 
Yes, sir. Both the uh, Republicans and Democrats have their conventions every two years, okay. and the Republican Party of Texas convention was last week in San Antonio. It really ramps up uh, through the weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh-huh. but it's actually going on all week, uh, you know, as the uh, people who are there, the, the delegates and the alternates and the people who are on the platform committee and all that, uh, as they start to figure out uh, exactly what the party's position, uh, you know, positions on various issues are going to be. They do a lot of pre-work, if you will, Monday through Wednesday, and then everybody shows up uh, okay. Thursday. So everybody's doing the wonk work Monday through Wednesday. Whenever mm-hmm. you say delegate, Scott Braddock, explain to listeners who these delegates are and how they got there. Well, the short version is that, look, to be a delegate, all you really have to do is sign up to be a delegate. Uh, it's not a very rigorous process, but I can tell you that uh, the work is in actually being the delegate and actually going to the convention uh, in working on the you know various uh, issues, uh, getting involved in the various committees. Uh, the way you uh, get to do it, of course, is if you go to your Senate, uh, your Senate conventions, you know, during the primary, uh, and uh, you know, start to work at that level, uh, you know, in the precincts, uh, you know, about uh, what issues uh, your neighborhood cares about, and uh, those are the folks who you know set the tone for the big political operations in this state. It's done on the Democratic side. It's done on the Republican side. Um, you know, the short answer about who these folks are, they're the most dedicated people, uh, you know, the, the most grassroots activists, uh, the people who really, um, you know, really take seriously the idea that these parties ought to stand for something. Um, they're the ones who, you know, create a work product called the platform, uh, which for the Republicans uh, is a document that has almost 300 planks in it, um, you know, and uh, they take positions on issues, everything from, uh, whether people ought to be able to sell unpasteurized milk to whether people ought to be able to uh, have and uh, use uh, marijuana, for example. That's one of the things that they made a decision about this year. Also, um, they softened their stance a little bit uh, on uh, the issue of uh, LGBT uh, rights. And so there were some significant things that went on there. But, of course, none of this is the law. This is just the positions that the Republican Party of Texas takes. But uh, one of the reasons it's significant is because, of course, the Republican Party in this state uh, calls all the shots, certainly, uh, at the state level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I've stolen a line from you before that there is an opposition party in Texas, and that opposition party is not holding its event next weekend because the opposition party is the federal courts. <laughs> well, the uh, federal courts certainly are, are one of the places where there is some pushback to some of the things that go yeah. on in Texas. That's right. Of course, the Democrats, Texas Democrats meeting this weekend in yeah. mm-hmm. Fort Worth. So, some observations, Braddock. Let's just, you're there. What are some things that you notice, and what were some takeaways that you had? Well, um, I think your listeners will appreciate this. Uh, the two largest booths in the exhibit hall, of course, you have the, the, the large convention hall where the delegates meet and they listen to speeches from people like Governor Abbott uh, and Dan Patrick, the lieutenant governor, as well as. Um, you know, folks like Glenn Hager and Senator Ted Cruz, Senator John Cornyn. And then off to the side, you have a smaller uh, area, the exhibition hall, where there are various booths, uh, various groups are there to try to, you know, sell their wares and get people to, you know, take their swag and all that sort of stuff. You want to guess which groups had the largest, which two groups had the largest booths in the exhibit hall? Uh, I'm going to say Muslims and marijuana, m and m Well, no. The, uh, although there was... Uh, a, a booth called Ask a Muslim Couple Anything. So there was a Muslim couple there, and Republicans could walk up and ask them whatever they wanted to, including questions like, do you beat your wife? And 
things like that. They asked lots of questions. But the two largest booths uh, were Empower Texans, Drink, and Texas Right to Life, which, of course, as you know, uh, are the largest dark money groups in the state. But why so large? I mean, why the big crowds? Did they have, like, people there to take pictures with? Or you got to dress up like, you know, in 70s garb, protesting Roe v. Wade? Or what, what was the big draw there? What's interesting is that these folks um, with these groups do understand that if they're going to reach party activists, the place that they need to go, one of the places they need to go, is the Republican Party of Texas Convention and, you know, hand out their literature, talk to people about what it means to be conservative, at least as they see it, uh, which, as you know, uh, is a little bit different from your version of conservatism and my version of conservatism. Uh, But they certainly are good organizers. They certainly are the kind of people uh, who know how to put their literature in the hands of people who are making the decisions about, as as we mentioned, making the decisions about the direction of the governing party in this state. Now, it's my understanding uh, that for years and years, and we reported on this last week, uh, a new development on this front, for years and years the Republican Party of Texas uh, has uh, relied more on big corporate donors. Uh, you know, a lot of big companies uh, want to buddy up to the Republican Party, obviously for you know obvious reasons. I mean, most of those folks who run those companies are Republicans and agree with uh, things that the Republican Party has stood for over the years. Um, but uh, AT&T, one of the larger companies, uh, one of the larger political uh, contributors backed out and did not contribute to the RPT convention this year. In the last two conventions, they had done $100,000 each time, and this time they didn't do any. Uh, and some of that money is being made up by groups like Texas Right to Life and Empower Texans. In fact, uh, the current chairman, James Dickey, who was reelected uh, as chairman at this convention, he has boasted of huge corporate donations coming in uh, to the party on his watch, but uh, what he means is uh, that there is money flowing in from the uh, Texas Right to Life 501c4 nonprofit corporation. So when he says corporate dollars, uh, he's talking about uh, you know some money from these dark money groups. And of course, we know who is funding those groups. It's Empower Texans Chairman Tim Dunn. It's the Wilkes Brothers from Cisco, Texas. Um, and as those folks uh, grow their influence in the party, uh, and certain business groups move away from the party a little bit. Uh, those uh, folks are having to, you know, backfill and pay for this. And by the way, it's interesting that the party is relying more and more on candidates uh, for cash. Uh, if you look at the program uh, that was handed out to, you know, here's your here's your RPT 2018 uh, program. Here's everything that's happening. You look at the sponsors in the program. Um, a lot of those sponsors were candidates. Uh, Governor Abbott uh, was one of the biggest sponsors. And according to our sources, uh, Chairman Dickey has been uh, leaning on folks like Hager, like. Patrick, like Abbott, uh, to try to keep the party's finances afloat moving toward November, and uh, campaign veterans will appreciate the fact that it should be the other way around. The the reason you have a political party is to create political infrastructure for candidates to be able to run, you know, on that party's ticket up and down the ballot. Uh, So it is sort of backward for the party to be asking candidates for money when what the party ought to be doing is supporting its candidates. Um, And what that speaks to, really, is a party that's more interested in uh, purifying uh, itself uh, and driving out people who do not agree uh, with uh, some of the folks on some of the key issues. Um, and uh, that's not unlike what uh, Governor Ann Richards decades ago set out to do in the Texas Democratic Party when it did enjoy majorities. She had said, and of course she was very liberal, she's the photo negative of these folks who are very conservative, uh, but she had said what they wanted to do was drive out the people who didn't agree with them. 
Yeah. Uh, they wanted to drive the conservatives out of the Texas Democratic Party. Later, she joked, unfortunately, they're very successful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... I, I, you're goading me right now. I'm not going to take your bait, but yeah. Oh, go for it. No, I mean, that's, on, that's 100% I'm goading you for a reason. The, that's, that's 100% I'm here the case. Jay, come on, Jay. I'm, I'm here for a good time, not for a long time. <laughs> Yeah, I've I've talked with Ben Barnes, former lieutenant governor, former everything mm-hmm. in Texas about this. about mm-hmm. that very moment. And Ben Barnes right. said, "Yeah, that was a disaster. That was a disaster for Texas when the Democratic Party decided that it was going to be straight line liberal and they were going to force everybody out." And uh, you know, that was something that the Pete Laney's and and maybe Charlie Stenholm to some degree uh, were able to persevere but by and large in it in its costume i mean you and i both see people like jim keffer on twitter saying there's a moment for the democrats and they're absolutely they have no absolutely um a failure in aptitude it describes that party right now and they aren't able to do that but let me get out of that ditch for just a second uh i see a stat I just wanted to throw this out there, and I want to move over into the chairman party, uh, chairman of the party fight that you saw firsthand. Uh, yeah. 239 people have given to Empower Texans PAC since January 1, 2017. This is Chris Tackett on Twitter. Eight people have given 96% of the total contributions. Eight people have given $4.5 million dollars. And then 231 people have given 169,004% of the the overall. Uh, Empower Texas was the biggest donor in house races. And then they aren't grassroots. I think in Texas we're beginning to learn that grassroots is fed by bull beep. Um, So just follow up on your conversation there. So tell us about the chair race, not the chairperson, the chairman race of the Texas Republican Party. Dickey, I think, James Dickey walks away 65, Cindy Ash 35. What did that look like firsthand? Well, firsthand it was very ugly. And, you know, one of the things that uh, is true in campaigns, whether it's uh, for a chairman position like this or for a senator or whatever, uh, is that when the candidates aren't really all that different, um, one thing that happens is the races get very nasty because they get very personal. Because if they don't really have any differences on issues, uh, then they are then you know the things that make them different are those personal differences, right? We saw that with uh, Ted Cruz and David Dewhurst. It was you know these are two people who are very conservative, both of them conservative, um, but uh, they had some personal uh, and personality differences. Um, one thing that is substantive uh, that was different about them is that Dickey. Uh, while not being called the Empower Texans candidate outright, he did have all you know endorsements of all of the various groups that are allied with uh, Empower Texans, including Texas Right to Life, including um, the Homeschool Coalition and Texas Values and groups like that. Um, and you know, on the other side of it, you had um, the uh, challenger, Cindy Ash, uh, who was making the case that Dickey uh, has not been managing the party's finances very well, which, as we just mentioned, uh, there is some truth to that when he's having to lean on candidates to uh, run the uh, party and keep the party afloat. Uh, but those things are very down in the weeds. I think that um, Dickey did a very good job. I'll give him credit for giving a good job of making it seem like he's the guy who wants to bring the party together. Uh, and then at the end of the day, that was the 
uh, message that, uh, that really sold. I mean, you know, I was in uh, Houston when these two debated each other a few weeks ago, uh, and one of the flashpoints I think we talked about here on the show is that uh, uh, Ash had said that Dickey was wrong to be the guy who made the difference and made it possible for uh, Speaker Joe Strauss, the retiring Speaker of the House, to be uh, censured by the party earlier this year. She had said, look, we should be welcoming people into the party. We should be uh, a big tent party, and if somebody doesn't agree with us on every single thing that's in that platform, well, that should be okay. If they agree with us on 90 or 95 percent of what's in that platform, those people should be uh, voting for Republicans. Those people should be embraced. Uh, as people who should be voting for Republican candidates, she also made the case uh, that President Trump out of, you know, brought a lot of new people into the fold, not just in Texas, but all across the nation. A lot of people who had never voted for anybody before went to the polls to vote for Trump. Uh, and what she had said uh, in her speech at the convention was that uh, those people shouldn't just be sort of uh, welcome at the party. Those people should be members of the family, and they should be, you know, Republicans for the long term. Uh, Dickey had said that he basically agreed with the idea of welcoming those people into the party, but he also said that you should adhere to that platform pretty uh, pretty strictly. Adhere to that platform. Uh, he had he had called it basically the uh, the owner's manual, you know, the owner's guide. Uh, and whenever Republicans are looking at what they ought to do on any various issue, they should look at that guide, at that platform, because it is the product, uh, the work product of the delegates who attend this convention. So. Um, at the end of the day, uh, Dickey uh, was successful, and of course he was successful with the organization uh, of these various groups. Now, one thing I can tell your listeners is that um, there was what appeared to be some pretty serious coordination between the Republican Party chairman's campaign and the uh, group that we've been talking about, Empower Texans. You remember a few weeks ago there was an email that went out from Empower Texans to all of the delegates of the Republican Party of Texas Convention uh, welcoming them to their party in San Antonio, to the Empower Texans party that was going to be uh, held uh, there on the grounds of the Alamo. Well, and that was paid for. That email was paid for by the Republican Party of Texas. Well, um, as it turns out, uh, Chairman Dickey's uh, party for his campaign uh, to lead the RPT, his 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 big event, his campaign event, uh, was held right next door to the Empower Texans event, and of course, people were going back and forth. And some folks at the convention were wondering uh, whether that kind of coordination is allowed. I'm not sure that there's any rule against it or anything, but it was pretty clear uh, that it was all being orchestrated very cleverly. Well, Scott Braddock, editor of the Quorum Report, as we close out here, a couple of quick questions. And the first one is this. I've been to trade shows before. I get junk emails every day because you put on your lanyard, and it's got a scan code on your lanyard, and... And they find your email address whenever they scan you into these various booths. Is it the same mm-hmm. case there at the Republican convention where they scan your lanyard and then you perpetually get emails from various booths and various organizations into perpetuity? Well, there's absolutely an effort uh, for people to uh, hand over, uh, you know, to, to get people to hand over their uh, contact information. I mean, that's the way that um, you know, these folks stay in, you know, that's the whole reason to go is, is to, yeah. to get people's uh, information and stay in contact with them. I mean, one good uh, example was uh, Agriculture Commissioner Sid Miller uh, had a raffle going on. Uh, he was uh, going to be giving away uh, a, an electric guitar signed by Ted Nugent and a few other things. And, of course, people are uh, filling out the card and putting their name and email address and so all that, that But stuff there's no there. scanning. And, of course, what he's really doing is gathering email 
which is worse. There was no scanning that I saw. No. Okay. All right. Um, the second thing. But they're I, doing. But but to your point, they are doing the same thing. I got an email over the weekend, and it was a picture. To be frank, it was a picture of Lubbock County. There's Lubbock County Republican Party doesn't have an official Twitter account, but mm-hmm. does have a hack who works for a government entity. By the way. Who runs down okay. big government all the time? He's employed. <laughs> like we're way down. We're way down in the Lubbock County weeds. Yeah. I love this. Well, this is good local radio. But uh, yeah, I love it. So you're, tell me what. So that, you're employed the best part by of the gumbo state? Is that, that, listen, the best part of the gumbo is that real thick roux at the bottom of the bowl. Yeah. So tell me what you're talking well, about. This is the thick roux, and so yeah, guys employed by a state entity wants to just blast government all the time, and you okay? So you go ahead and give up all your benefits <laughs> and your mortgage and everything else, but. The comment I got from somebody that I reacted to on Twitter was, these people are not, this group right here is not indicative of mainstream Republicans in Lubbock County. Now, Mm -hmm. that to say, I throw it out there, and I'm also going to put the onus on myself that, you know, we complain about voting, and I've got a segment coming up about that. Everybody up in arms about sessions and about these uh, migrant child separations. But did you vote? Did you vote? Well, these rules by the the Lubbock County Republican Party, but also other Republicans in Texas are put into place by people who show up and they do these things. And so as much as you want to say, well, these people are not indicative, well, these people are the people who show up. They go through these primary... Senate rigmarole, and then they yeah show they do up their Senate district convention. caucus, and they go to the convention, and they you know they they help to shape as we've been saying here on the show, they are the ones who set the tone for the governing party in the state. Yeah. What is it? We're we're like at eight or seven percent of people who vote. That's uh, I think that's the Texas point. is. I mean, Texas is and has been for a long time one of the least voting states percentage-wise of any state in the entire country. So when people say that they are upset about things, um, you know, and then, but then they don't show up to vote, it's hard to have any sympathy. Um, you know, one of the things that occurs to me, Jay Lee, and it goes right to what you're talking about, is we see so many instances of people protesting um, in the heat. Uh, you know, uh, we've got people right now who are protesting the separations of families, as you mentioned. Uh, a lot of people down on the border, uh, you know, participating in these um in these in these protests, uh, some of them led by uh, Congressman Beto O'Rourke, who of course is challenging uh, Ted Cruz for the U.S. Senate, they're out there sweating in the heat. And this is the same thing that the people were doing when they were so upset right after President Trump was elected. You know, all these uh, marches all over America, people marching out uh, in the hot Texas sun, um, and it, it always makes me wonder. And, and I'm not saying people shouldn't protest, but that seems like a lot of work to get out there. To be out in the heat, to be organizing all those people, uh, to be marching all over the place, it's a whole lot of work. A lot, we have early voting in Texas, mo- and you can vote at any location during early voting, uh, You know, if you live in a county where there are lots of locations. And if you early vote, it probably takes you about five or ten minutes to go do it. Which sounds easier to you, and which actually has a, you know, makes a difference as far as what's going to happen when it comes to your government? No, exactly. Scott Braddock coming off a cool vacation after a hot-headed convention. We appreciate you taking time, buddy. The pleasure is always all mine, Jay Leeson. Thank well, you. Well, we get into the Bible and politics here in this session. 
or this session i'm looking at a picture of jeff sessions so in this segment of other side of texas let's hear what the attorney general had to say as he cites the bible on american public policy i thought i'd take a little bit of digression here to uh, discuss some concerns raised by our church friends about separation of families many of the criticisms raised in recent days are not fair not logical and some are contrary to plain law first illegal entry into the united states is a crime it should be it must be if you're going to have a legal system and have any limits whatsoever persons who violate the law of our nation are subject to prosecution if you violate the law you subject yourself to prosecution i would cite you to the Apostle Paul and his clear and wise command in Romans uh, 13 to obey the laws of the government because God has ordained the government for his purposes. Orderly and lawful processes are good in themselves. Consistent, fair application of law is in itself a good and moral thing and that protects the weak. It protects the lawful. Our policies that can result in short-term separation of, of families is not unusual or unjustified, and it's really a very short period of time. Normally, the uh, adults are only held uh, in custody for a week or two or three um, before they would enter a plea of guilty for time served and allowed to go home and with their children. Our oh, Romans 13 there with Jeff Sessions. I cannot remember outside of campaign season the Bible being cited as often as it is by both sides as it is now. And for religious groups to get involved. Not orchestrated by Jerry Falwell circa 1983. I, I cannot recall this. And it seems to me to be opportunism by both sides to to cite the Bible for various reasons. And I'll get into a few of those now. Now, listen, I don't... Whenever I was a kid, I remember one of the most disappointing things I did as a child was go on a field trip, and I was so amped up, because we were going to go to the news station that almost everybody else watched in Lubbock and surrounding Lubbock we didn't live in Lubbock and we got to go on a field trip to see this news station and I was so fired up and we got there and it looked like a warehouse with a bunch of equipment around and then there was this little stage and I thought whoa what we see on TV is not necessarily reality and the disappointment there that whoa i thought like you could take the camera anywhere in the studio and it would look as professional as it does on that's just a part of growing up and i cite that to say that i am a united methodist and i've been a part of this organization but the older i've gotten and the more i've seen behind the scenes the more disappointed i've become and it's it's like you know whenever you break up whenever you grow up in a broken home and then these broken adults that you see who are being crazy 
over the weekend and then in the week they get up on these platforms in elected official positions and otherwise and then you see them and you you just never know what's going to come out of their mouth that's what a lot of this is like and i just take a little detour into the united methodist thing for just a moment with sessions and i've got critique of sessions coming up but this from a cnn story more than 600 members of the United Methodist Church have issued a formal complaint against Attorney General Jeff Sessions, a fellow member of the church, charging that his, quote, zero-tolerance policy on immigration violates church rules and may constitute child abuse. Officially, the complaint charges Sessions with violating the United Methodist Church's Book of Discipline its code and of laws and of social principles such charges should lead to the church trial through few though few expect that to happen to the attorney general the country's top lawman so what are we doing are we gonna bring the church house into the state house or aren't we because that's the criticism you hear a lot in texas is well, we're letting Texas law, and we just got a phone with Scott Braddock, and a lot of the Republican platform is based on religious theological rulings. Uh, theological guidance, I should say. Religious guidance in it. And the Republican Party of Texas is no stranger of citing Romans 13 or, or anything else. So, if it's fair to say it in texas whenever we talk about state law i think on this program it's fair to say it whenever it comes to federal law so the same people that want to criticize texans for bringing theological uh, theology into state politics are the same people who are now utilizing scripture in jeff sessions okay but now you get all the immigration theology in the bible from 2000 years ago completely different context though there are some same general guiding principles but still different context now you get people who never talk about theology who want to talk about immigration theology and you hear them out in you know the story of the good samaritan the samaritan was the disdain of post-exile rule in israel and this that and the other under roman occupation and it was the samaritan who helps and okay i got it okay now mr inject theology when it's politically convenient now do abortion for me tell me what the bible says about abortion or what church law or church guidance or church fathers has said over the centuries about abortion oh oh you don't want to touch that do you okay well let's do gay marriage then let's do marriage oh you don't have anything to say there and so but it's the same thing with sessions the bible and church fathers are very clear about capital interests running societies but oh we're going to cite it on the least and the last of these that are coming to the border and we're going to cite Romans 13 whenever it comes to taking babies and toddlers and young children away from their parents where they're hollering mama and papa on audio for the nation to hear crying and being run down by a couple of border agents who I, I don't think I think they're outliers with border patrol agents. But I mean, if we're going to be fair, let's be fair. Let's use the Bible 
and let's use the Bible across the board. I just, it's, it's a moment, it's an American moment that I've never seen before, and I don't understand what we're doing. You've got to be consistent. If you're going to use a word, use it in its totality. Like, you want to go in and do an exegesis of, of, uh, of state, atta- state tax, of death tax? I don't think you want to do that because we're going to go look at Leviticus. It's the same on the left and the right. Stop using cherry-picked verses for your own political expediency. That's exactly the problem there. Uh, yesterday we had Brandon Darby on the program. If you missed that, I want to give you a little preview. You need to go to our Apple podcast and download this and listen to it. And uh, appreciate your thoughts, Jay, at othersideoftexas.com. That's my email address. I want to play, I just like I'm 13-year-old, my email address. Uh, I want to play you a little snippet of Brandon Darby here for a couple minutes before we hit the break because this is something you need to pass along to your friends Uh, You may not agree, but I think you get a pretty down-the-line idea from him. He's going to react to more Jeff Sessions audio. This hour with you as we go forward here on the other side of Texas. uh, This whole thing is such an octopus in so many people's minds. There are a lot of political ins and outs. There's a lot of misunderstanding as to how long a, a policy has been in place what I think how I think I would like to begin is by playing for the folks listening John Kelly March 2017 and let you respond Brandon Darby this is John Kelly who now runs the White House underneath Donald Trump John Kelly John Kelly not Pete sitting Homeland Security Secretary March 2017 Let's let him frame the discussion, and then you go from there. Considering a new, a new initiative that would separate children from their parents if they tried to enter the United States illegally. Uh, let me start by saying I would do almost anything to deter uh, the people from Central America uh, uh, to getting on this very, very dangerous network that brings them up through Mexico into the United States. And I would underline that the Mexicans are, uh, are after this network in the same way we are. It's extremely dangerous. Uh, I wouldn't say 100%, but certainly in the high 90%, and this is uh, by the uh, social service organizations that, that inform me from Central America that the vast majority of the young women, all women, are sexually abused along this but, but my point but let is... Me just, let me just be precise. Right. If you get some young kids who are coming in, managed to sneak into the United States right. with their parents... Our Department of Homeland Security personnel going to separate the children from their moms and dads. We, we have tremendous experience in dealing with unaccompanied minors. Uh, we turn them over to HHS, uh, and they do a very, very good job of either putting them in kind of foster care or linking them up with parents or family members in the United States. Yes, I am considering, in order to deter uh, more movement along this terribly dangerous network, I am considering... Uh, exactly that. They will be well cared for as we deal with their parents. But you understand how that looks to the average person uh, who is... It's more important to me, Wolf, to to try to keep people off of this awful network. Okay, so that's what you got John Kelly saying then under Homeland Security. Brandon Darby, I want to ask you, there's a lot of outrage right now about this issue that how dare 
how dare American immigration take links to separate children from their parents. This is going to be a very, a very difficult, convoluted issue as we go forward, but we have the whole hour to go through it. Um, how long, John Kelly says there in March 2017 it's going on, give us a reference for how long this has really been going on, separating child migrants from their parents. Well, first off, let me just say I I, uh, I re- absolutely reject the entire premise and framing of this question. Uh, I think it's... Of it's my question? Of or? your question, and I reject the the premise of what John Kelly said. Okay. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Um, what happens to me if I, if I don't pay a speeding ticket, okay, and I have a warrant out for my arrest, and I get pulled over for running a red light, and I have my child in the car with me. What what happens to me? The police officer comes up to my car. He asks me if I have any warrants. He runs my paperwork, and he determines I do have a warrant. And then that police officer is going to come up to me and say, Sir, I have to take you to jail. Do you have a relative you can call nearby to come and pick up your child? And if I say no, does that police officer say, You know what? Never mind, buddy screw the warrant just go on down the road no he's going to say you're coming to jail and I have to call social services to come and pick up your child that's what happens when you go to jail so what's going on on the border and it's not a defense of it it's not it's just like here are the facts what's going on is that we are unable to keep parents with children if the parents get incarcerated and put into jail What's happening is that our immigration law says those people have to go to jail and get prosecuted. That's the law. That's called enforcing the law. Now, in the Obama years, in 2009, he began to get away from doing that. Okay? In 2014, he solidified and formalized, the the, the administration did, it was actually Jay Johnson who put out the memo on November 20th, 2014, and he solidified that they would not be prosecuting uh, people who came with children, thereby not having to separate them and because inc- they can't incarcerate them together. Why can't they incarcerate them together? Well, I'll remind you that the same people who are outraged now that people are separated protested and led a major movement in, at the end of the Bush years, the mo- George W., uh, to make sure that all of the facilities that house families together, immigration facilities, were shut down. Okay, so here we have we have the American public saying you can't you can't house family put families in jail together, right? What was their reasoning though? Uh, well, the reasoning there were court orders that that said you can't. There was there were issues that had come up with. Um, uh, as much as you might be enjoying that, we got to uh, move forward in the program. Do want to encourage you? That's there on our Apple iTunes podcast. Uh, you can go listen to. We did the whole hour of Brandon Darby yesterday on this issue, uh, and. My big takeaway from that, I'm going to give to you. We are uh, cutting the right. Head out to uh, some Texas Tech baseball. Not here on the station. We don't have rights for that, do we? No. No. Okay. So, won't be here on the station, but 
will be coming up and uh, the Red Raiders. The Red Raiders in Omaha. That's right. Uh, so, listen, on that last one, and I want to thank my friends at Lubbock File Room for sponsoring this outro here. Lubbock File Room providing you with safe and secure document storage and shredding services uh, to Lubbock and the surrounding areas since 1992. Go see them. Tell them the other side of Texas sent you for a free and hassle-free estimate. Do what I did. Give them a call. 806-744-7666. That's 806-744-7666. I got a text uh, into the line on, you know, me feeling like I was running down the United Methodist. I'm not running down the United Methodist. What I am saying is that kind of like uh, being deposed or uh, having an indictment brought against you in Texas is like... Uh, like having a ham sandwich it's just as common as a ham sandwich charges can be drawn and you know united methodist church right now is so splintered that what are you going to draw people on charges on and by what virtue of what book of discipline it just kind of turns into a crazy show whenever you begin to look behind the scenes but uh i will say this stephen portnoy who's got the most interesting name in american journalism portnoy he yesterday tweeted a new Quinnipiac poll that shows that Americans overwhelmingly oppose separating children from parents after legal border crossings, 66 to 27. Republicans, however, back the policy, 55 to 35. And here's this conversation, like most conversations, here's my first question, and this is just the leasing pro tip to anybody listening. Whenever you hear people up in arms about any issue, here's my first question. Did you vote? Because if you didn't vote, then I don't care what you have to say right now. It, whatever side, far left, far right, somewhere in between on the political continuum, did you vote? And a lot of people, I see a lot of social justice warriors out there who are, are you know, hardliner rule law people and are taking advocacy on this thing. But did they vote? And I think half the time they didn't. And so as we have these conversations, I just, I want to encourage you to have these conversations with people who voted, with people who are involved and not listen to people who didn't vote because they disqualify themselves right off the bat. I do think, and we'll bring this up tomorrow, I think it's very interesting that, look, people often say, well, politicians vote because they're in the pockets of donors. No, they're in the pockets of consultants. And if consultants don't see the numbers that threaten a politician's stance, then that politician is not going to move. So if you didn't vote, then shut up. And the exception sometimes <clears throat> is politicians that are in tough races. Ted Cruz coming out, Senator Cruz coming out, and drawing up legislation that introduces a stop to the separation is a very interesting dynamic, a very interesting uh point of emphasis in this race i'm going to get into that tomorrow didn't have time to get in the vet school we'll leave that tomorrow tomorrow ross ramsey is going to come on this program and 
we're also going to have a little critique of our bumper music on this program by Thomas Mooney. He runs New Slang in Lubbock. He's going to be in studio with us tomorrow. Really looking forward to him and the promotion of Texas artists that he has going. If you need new songs there in your playlist, you want to listen for Thomas Mooney tomorrow. You want to know more about Texas politics, Ross Ramsey. So until tomorrow... We look forward to seeing you. You can find this audio again up on our Apple iTunes and share it with friends. Just take their phone, subscribe them, and give us a good rating there, or a fair rating. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow here on the other side of Texas.